Lord, we bow before you now and invite just the majesty of your presence to continue. You have met us in our praise to you, Lord. You have inhabited our praises. You have come and received our heart's expression to you that you are magnificent, that you are holy, that you are a consuming fire, that you are the God of the universe, and yet you have love for each one of us. And so we come to you in that heart, Lord, and we just say we want to love you back. We want to, we want to receive your powerful love in our lives. We want to encounter you, O oh God. We, we have not come to talk about you. We have come to talk with you, Lord, and we invite your presence. We invite you to come and, and to do these things we've sung about because there are those among us, Lord, who are broken, who are consumed with shame and failure, and yet you are the God who forgives, and you are the God who begins us again, and you are the God who allows your word to dwell in us. You are the God who pours out your spirit on your sons and daughters, and that's why we're here today, Lord. We're here for that. And so we invite your powerful presence, not only to come and to minister to these, these parts of our hearts that are broken and hurting, but also to strengthen us where we're standing, Lord, and to cause us to be the light in the darkness, and to cause us to be victorious over the enemy and his attempts to take us. And so we pray that you'll come and be strong, and, and be strong in your word, Lord. Be strong in just the speaking of these truths from your scriptures, Lord, come. And just be strong among us, Lord. We, uh, we just want to lift up that promise that if two of us are gathered in your name, that you're here. And so come and be strong in your word. And we are here in the name of Jesus and no other. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning going to be starting a new series this morning, a series called Come. We'll have six parts, and all six parts are going to come from Isaiah chapter 55. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 55. As you can see, it's just about in the middle. It's a big book, so you should be able to find it pretty easily. Isaiah is one of the prophets, one of the major prophets it's an incredible deposit of truth and food for our souls. The book of Isaiah is a long book and was written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. And Isaiah was a prophet who was used by God to speak very dramatically and specifically into the situation that Israel and Judah were facing at the time with uh, their enemies to the north. And it was a perilous time and, and Isaiah was used by God to speak truth into the moment, and to say, hey, listen, come back to God. Come back to God. The whole nation, if you will, the whole Hebrew culture was, was disintegrating and turning away from God. And Isaiah was saying, come back. Come back to God. In addition to all of, all of those uh, prophecies that were brought for the time, Isaiah was also also used by God to bring us treasures along the way that were meant for us now. 
and uh, remarkable things in there. Things about Christ, 700 years before he was born. Uh, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. You know, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government. It says there'll be no end. And uh, stuff like this, you know, sprinkled throughout Isaiah. And I think I may have mentioned before that I, I'm just curious. I have no way of knowing, but I wonder what it was like to be a prophet in those times and just to be delivering the word of God as it was coming and wondering if, if he even knew what he was saying. He could connect some of the dots. Well, I see what this has to do with that, but Isaiah 14 comes and he's, he's given this revelation about the origins of Satan. And I wonder if he put his head down on his pillow that night and, wow, I wonder what that was all about. I don't know. But I'm just really grateful that the Bible isn't isn't a dead book. That God deposited information, treasures in there for our lives, for our souls. And this Isaiah chapter 55, one chapter, only 13 verses long, has so much So much food for your soul. So much life to offer that uh, Tony and I have decided to work together to bring you a six-week series from this chapter alone. And uh, I think you're you're really going to find life in this this chapter as the Lord brings it to your heart. Actually, what Tony and I are planning to do, we feel led to do, is actually to just alternate over this six weeks uh, I'll bring this message, he'll bring the next one, and then me, then him, then me, then him. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty excited about having Tony as my brother in Christ, and uh, excited about having him as such a, such a pastor for this church. And, uh, you know, not only does he bring the pastor's heart, which is so obvious in him and in Donna as well, but... He's skilled in interpreting scripture and being able to bring a timely word to you. And uh, so I think that you have every reason to be excited about these next, uh, these next six weeks. I think if uh, you were wondering, you know, it probably makes sense that if you were thinking about inviting somebody to church and was afraid that I was going to go off and say something weird or slip and cuss or something that and you didn't want him to come that week, bring him on a Tony week, because, you know, he's a lot more disciplined than I am. And so that, that's, probably, uh, that's probably just a strategy for you to think about over these six weeks. I feel like I owe Tony an apology, though. I know I've been trash-talking him for the last couple of weeks about the big 5K, you know. It's been an unfair kind of thing that I've been bringing, and all this talk about how I'm going to crush him and stuff like that. And I don't know why he's coming up here right now, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, terrifying me a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like I, I owe you an apology, buddy. <laughs> you know, I've been, uh, I've been saying those things about you. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and it's not just because you did come in last last year. Like second to last. Oh, second to last. Oh, Donna was oh, just a half a step <laughs> behind you, or what? <laughs> well, right over the line. I you, know, you, you leaned at the I end, did, didn't did. you? Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, all that talk about me going to wear one boot and one flip-flop, you know, and I'm still going to be chill. Well, I am going to do that, by the way. Some of you say, are you serious? Yeah, I'm ap- uh, I said it. I'm committed to it. That's awesome. But I, I still don't know what you're doing up here now and what you have in mind, but you're frightening me a little bit. I'm just, just loving on you, brother. You're going to bring some scripture about how the last shall be first and all this stuff. And... Really? No? You're all right? Just kidding. Well, I got a little nervous, Tony, and about... about you know, maybe maybe I've underestimated you as an opponent, and so I had some I had some uh, I had a spy go out and observe him while he was training this week, and I, I sent him out. I said, just follow him around while he's training, and see what you can see. And they actually got a picture for me of him training, and it's on the on the along the beach up there at uh, Alum Creek State Park. And I'm getting a little nervous because it looks like this here. That's so. it. Yeah. yeah it's, I, I, I wear a lot of layers. To cut. I don't want people to sin if you, they you see You really yes. do that well. I hide man. it well. I, I, I hide it well. I've but, never uh, seen you with your shirt off. No, you don't uh, want to. Uh, wouldn't have, want wouldn't to. have guessed that. But, uh, it's real close. It's a picture. Pictures don't lie. No, they don't. They don't. Somebody, somebody suggested that it looks like it's been photoshopped, but I don't yeah, see it I myself. See I, I don't know. Looks like it's... There you go. Yeah, right that's there. it right there. So anyway. All right. I just want to let you know buddy. I love you. Love you back. All right. <laughs> <Can't even. laughs> Thank you for your forgiveness, brother. Going to begin the series this morning with Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread? Your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. I'm calling this series Come, because in in the context of Isaiah 55, God is saying, Come. Come to me. Come to me. Why so distant? Come to me. Encounter me. And you, like me, you're, you're not satisfied with religion, are you? You're not satisfied with the motions. You're not satisfied with talking about God. You, you want to encounter God, right? That's why you're here. And that's what we're doing everything we can to be about. And so this, this passage starts... You know, with this word come, but not really. That's a poor translation of the word. And when I was uh, extolling the NIV last week for its proper translation of the command versus commandment, this is another case where the NIV just really lets us down in in the interpretation of this original Hebrew word. Because some of you, you have a New American Standard or even a King James Bible out there. Raise your hand if you do it. How does it start? Oh, you don't have it with you, but anybody? It starts out, it says, it probably says, Ho! 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 This is a different word than the other words that are translated come. Ho! And the word really means, Hey! Hey! This passage starts with the word, this word from God. Hey! There's an urgency. There's an alarm. Hey! All you who are thirsty, come to the waters. 
Hey! It doesn't start, come. It starts, hey! This Hebrew word, which is actually hoy, hoy! This Hebrew word is used 47 times in the Old Testament, almost half of which are in the book of Isaiah, which is the prophet's call to the people. God is saying again and again and again, Hey! Something's up. Hey! And then he says, Come. Three times, a different Hebrew word. He says, Come. This Hebrew word is used 1,340 times in the Old Testament. I think it's God's heart that we come. That we come to Him. It's the call of God throughout the Old Testament. The prophets were used by God again and again and again, saying, come, return to me. You're wandering. You're wandering away from me. Come to me. Come. Come to me. It's the call of Jesus on our lives. It's the call of Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus said, come and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. He said, come. Come. And I'll make you fishers of men. He said, these these unsuspecting fishermen, come. Come, and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus is saying to you, come, and I will make you into something that you can't make for yourself. Come. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you judgment. I will tell you what a lousy job you're doing of being a Christian. No, he said, I'll give you rest. He says, come. Come to me. This is the call of God, the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we would come. Now, according to this passage in Isaiah, who is supposed to come? Come, all. All. Come, all. This is a universal opportunity to come and encounter God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a universal opportunity to come and encounter God. Every person in this room right now has exactly the same opportunity to encounter God. Come, all. God is an equal opportunity forgiver. Come. Come and experience this love relationship with God. God wants you. Some of you think God's out of your league. Remember when you were in high school? Guys, remember? You got your eye on that one girl. And one of your buddies said, she's out of your league. And they were right. <laughs> Some of you got lucky and married her anyway, didn't you? Well, God's not saying that. God's saying, come. I want you. Come. I want, I want you to encounter me. I don't want you just to read about me. I don't want you to memorize material information about me. I, I want you to come to me. Come, all who are thirsty. Who's thirsty? Who's thirsty for God here? Who's thirsty for God? I mean, who has come to the place of acknowledging that with all this life has to offer, that there's still a thirst for God inside of you, isn't there? There's still a thirst for God. 
And you drink and you drink deeply and you're satisfied, but you want more. There's a thirst for God. Come, all you who are thirsty. I like this next part. He says, come, you who have no money. Well, that's good news, isn't it? Come, you who have no money. There is nothing that you can bring. There is nothing that you can bring to this encounter with God except your own bad self. Hello? You don't have money that spends in God's economy. He says, come, you who have no money. Come if you're spiritually bankrupt. The key to coming to God for true encounter is to fully recognize how deep our need is and that we have no capacity to present ourselves to Him on our own terms. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ shed His blood, died on the cross, paid the payment in full, and that's the money that God receives on your behalf. So you don't have to have... People, I see this all the time. They're waiting to kind of get this together, that together, and then I'm going to come to God. I'm going to get these things about my life together, and then I'm going to come to God. How well is that working out for you so far? You come to God. He says, come, you who have no money. Thirsty. Penniless. Anybody get to any of the words of Jesus yet? So in Matthew, Jesus starts his Sermon on the Mount by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. A recognition of how utterly bankrupt we are and in need of Christ. This is the beginning of coming to God. Don't bring anything. How many of you, when you're invited over to somebody's house, well, what can I bring? Raise your hand. And you almost can't not say that, right? That's pride. Now, I'm happy you do that when we call. <laughs> but you can't bring that into your relationship with God. What can I bring? Nothing. You don't have any money that spends. You don't have any food that God eats. He says, come. You have no money. Jesus said in the, another one of those Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It is the plan of God to meet your need, to meet your thirst, to meet your hunger for Come where? Back to Isaiah. He says, come to the waters. Come to the waters. To the waters. What waters? Think about Isaiah and his day and his location in a dry, dry land. And he's saying, I got water. God's saying, come, I got water. Can you imagine being a person in that day and age and that time and having access to water? You'd be a pretty popular person, wouldn't you? Come to the waters. Because water will change your life. It's been our privilege to drill so many of these freshwater wells in these impoverished villages throughout south central uh, India. And I have seen with my own eyes the way it changes the whole culture of a village when there's water. There was no water, now there's water. We put down a well, we put a hand pump on it, and they come to the waters. And it changes everything. It changes it changes not only the way they live, but the way they think, because now they have hope. Their babies aren't dying of dysentery anymore. 
helplessly holding these babies in their own arms without water to give them. They're dying of dehydration because the water that they give them makes them sicker than what they were before. And it has been our privilege to come in, drill an 800-foot well down through, as Pastor Stephen used to say, the rock, and drill that down there and put in those pumps. And I have seen, I have seen the women of India dressed up in beautiful stuff early hours of the morning, lined up at those wells. And everything changes. Even the social structure of that village changes when we go in the name of Jesus and bring that water. God says, come. I got water. God says, come. I got water. Come to the waters. I got something. I have something that you need. I have something that will feed you. Come to the waters. And then he says, listen. He says, listen twice. He says, listen. Listen to me. Listen. Listen, he says. Twice he says, listen. What does that say? God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to all of us. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. God wants to speak to us. Hearing from God is not reserved for the professional Christians. Hearing, we, we all have exactly the same opportunity to hear from God. Every person in this room has exactly the same opportunity to develop that part of your reality where you hear from God. Well, I don't know. I tried it. I didn't hear nothing. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Whoever comes to God, it says, For without faith it's impossible to please God, for whoever comes to God must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Diligently seek Him. Do you know how much stuff we have to wade through just culturally, the bad religious training we have, the kinds of things that we have to peel away just in order to get our ears open to God, you've got to stay with it. You've got to stay with it. We're a magic bullet society, aren't we? Well, I don't know, I went away, I sat by the river and tried to listen to God, I didn't hear anything. I was trying to calculate the other day. I'm pretty sure it was about seven years when I diligently, daily, just kept bringing my ears to God before I went, what was that? What was that? That'll change everything. He said, listen. Listen to me. And he says, eat what is good. Eat what is good. God has something good to give to us if we'll go with our appetites. Eat what is good. How many of you know you are what you eat, right? Which kind of surprises me that Tony actually looks that way, because I've seen him eat. He must be doing something else when I'm not around him with all the bean curds or Brussels sprouts or something, because you are what you eat. And that's true of us spiritually. We are what we eat. If we fill ourselves with the Word of God... If we spend the time in prayer, if we worship God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we fellowship with other believers, 
If these are the things we eat, then we'll eat what is good. We'll eat what's good. And he says this. He says that you will delight, your soul will delight in the richest affair. Your soul will delight. There's a delight in knowing God when you come to him. There's a delight. How many of you, you're working so hard, you're doing everything you can, and you put your head on your pillow at night and you're still thirsty. You're still hungry. He says, come. Come. He says, I want you. Come. There's nothing about you that disqualifies you. Come. What? I can come in my sin? You better. Come. There's nothing. He says, come. But so urgent is this matter that he starts it by saying, Hey! Hey! Come! I have water! I have food! He says, why why spend your money on what isn't food? Why labor for what doesn't satisfy? He says, come! Hey! You're, You're spending your life for nothing. He says, come. God wants us to come. Same opportunity for every single one of us. Hebrews chapter 10, let me close with this. Hebrews chapter 10, way in the back of your Bibles. I know Hebrews sounds like it should be in the front part. Is it Hebrews? Tony told me something, not this other Tony here. He was down there making coffee down at Paul Bradshaw's church down the bottoms. He said that he had a spiritual or biblical mandate for making that coffee. It was the book of Hebrews. Nice, nice job. That's your one, isn't it, man? <laughs> Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Whoa. What did that just say? We have confidence to enter the most holy place? That in the temple, that there was a holy of holies? And a most holy place, people don't just go sashaying in there. There was a curtain. You had to be a high priest to get in there at all. You don't just go walking into the presence of God, according to the Old Testament. But now something's changed. And the Bible says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how? By the blood of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus made all the difference. You go sprinkled, you go spattered with the covenant blood of Jesus, and there is no curtain. Look what happens. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, who is that? Say, Jesus, am I your priest? Am I your priest? Is any man your priest? You don't need a priest. The Bible says you don't need a man to stand between you and God because there is one mediator between man and God, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. But since we have him, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He's, pro- he's doing the work for us to get in. He says, come. That your life as a Christian is not meant to be read as much as you can about him and try to hang on to that. Oh, read as much as you can about him. Memorize the whole thing, Genesis to Maps. Go ahead. But let that be, let that be the foundation that walks you in to his presence. Because God is saying something this morning as we start this series. And he's saying, hey! He's calling out to you. You know the thing about the word hey? That's a word that we use to call through something. You don't just use it in casual conversation. There's something something that has to be called through. Hey! Hey! Tom and I don't just walk along and we're just talking. I go, hey! <laughs> right? It's just like now when he's sleeping. I just, hey! They see him wake right up. It's so when we're asleep. If I went over to Tom's house and I saw smoke billowing out of the windows, I'd say, hey! Hey! Because the word hey that God is using here is a word used to call through something. And I want you to think about this as we move into this series of what God wants to do with your life. I want you to think about what God is calling through to get to your attention. What have you surrounded yourself with that actually insulates you from the presence of God? I mean, it might be sin. It might be just sin in your life that you're refusing to deal with. And God's calling. He's saying, hey! It might be doubt. It might be trauma. You're just so hurt. What's God calling through? Maybe you've just layered your life with so much of the world's goods that God, Jesus said you can't serve two masters, right? But would you just reflect this week, what would God be calling through in your world? Only you know this. I don't have any judgment against you. Only you know this. What would God be calling through? Why would he use the word, hey! To start, unless he's calling through something, right? Father, we just pray now in the time that we have together here that your Holy Spirit will, will come and you'll bring clarity to this word. This word that you're using with such alarm to rescue us, to get our attention, to distract us from the things that have distracted us, to turn our eyes toward you, to know that you do speak, just hearing you say, hey, Lord, we come to you and I ask for your blessing on this church and in this series that we would come to you because we want more. We want more, Lord. Some of us have had a drop of this water on our tongues and we want more. We want more, Lord, We want more of your power, more of your presence, more of your majesty, more of the revelation of your presence here in this church. We want more of you in our lives. We want you to seep into our work and into our relationships, into the way we think. We want you to come, Lord, and be the master of our destinies, Lord. We want you to come and get hold of us. We want you to reach through. We hear you saying, hey. We hear the invitation to come. And we give ourselves to you, Lord, and the power of your word in Isaiah. We thank you for raising up that servant Isaiah 
that he would say these things that we can live on today. We want to feast from this chapter, Lord. We want to feast from the power of your word. We want to come out of this series different than when we came in. We want to eat from your table. We want to drink from your flask, Lord. We want to come. We want to answer the call to come. Call out to us, Lord. Call out to every single one of us. Call out to us wherever we are. Whatever has happened, whatever ring of insulation we have managed to put ourselves in the center of, Lord, we pray that you'll call through it now. Call through it and reach us, Lord. 